Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Before we get started this morning, I'd like to thank you for the outstanding reception you gave my dear friend David last Sunday. Um, he uh, was truly impressed with the hospitality and the love that he experienced with all of us last week, and it was truly a joy to have him with us. He is one of the best you'll ever hear. And he's also one of the hardest you'll ever follow, <laughs> which makes my task a little more different today. But, uh, but the truth of the matter is, I've got good news and bad news. The, uh, the good news is, of course, um, that sermon probably won't be today as long as his was last Sunday. The bad news, it probably won't be that good either. So <laughs> just bear with me today. I think that uh, we once again find ourselves kind of like where we've been for the last six weeks. In fact, um, for weeks now, we've been in this journey of Mark, and truly it's been a faith journey. It's been a struggle and a test. And today, once again, just four weeks from when we found our disciples in the boat in a perilous situation, they find themselves back in that same situation again today. As we continue today, we once again find these guys on the Sea of Galilee after Jesus told them to get in the boat and go to the other side. I think after the second time today's lesson that they learned, I might be a little more apprehensive the next time Jesus says, load up in the boat and go to the other side in the dark. But, uh, but they continue to be faithful and they're obedient to him. And that's a, certainly a good point in this text once again today. And the truth is, I wish I could tell you that um, life wasn't like that. That one storm wouldn't end and just about that time another one began, but most of us know that that is often the case. I wish I could tell you that once you came to Christ that your voyages would always be smooth. I wish I could say that when you gave your life to Him, it would always be clear sailing ahead. But I can't say that. Because we all know that's not true. We know that this life is full of storms and sometimes they are frequent. 
So for the second time in just five weeks, once again, we find Jesus' disciples back in a storm. In this second storm story today, we learn that we never face our storms in life alone. That Jesus is always watching, he's always available, and he's always caring for us in those storms. And those are the three points that I would usually teach through when we come to this text in Mark's gospel year. But today, I'm not going to touch those points. Today, as I reviewed this text this past week, something else spoke to me. But as I thought about that, I thought, you know, I really need to open up a little bit on those points because they're so critical. And what I would normally teach in this is I would begin in verse 47, and, and it tells us, let's click over there if we can get this thing to, man, we were just struggling with this light in the summertime to see those slides. But we would, I would normally begin in verse 47, and, uh, and it tells us that once evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and of course, as we know, Jesus was alone on the shore after the feeding of the 5,000. And then in verse 48, it says that he saw his disciples were struggling to make progress on the lake because they were battling the wind. We notice here, though in this opening verses here today, that Jesus could see that his disciples were in trouble. They could see that they were struggling. And the point being, my friends, that Jesus always sees us in our storms. And secondly, I would normally point out that um, later in that verse, we learn after he sees those disciples struggling, that Jesus, as we heard early Deacon John Reed, went walking to them on the water. And it probably seemed to them in the middle of that battle of the wind and the waves that Jesus had no idea what they were going through. But he did know. And it tells us in this text today that he walked on water to get to them, revealing both his deity and the fact that we are never, we are never, out of his reach. And then thirdly, I would normally unpack the fact that we're never out of Jesus' care. So we're never out of his sight, we're never out of his reach, and lastly, we're never out of his care. And we notice that and learn that in verse 50. Jesus says to his disciples, take heart, he said, it is I, the great I am. Do not be afraid. Just like in the last storm, he got in the boat and with just his words, he calmed the sea and restored their peace. Those verses, my friends, teach us three very important truths that we must never forget about Jesus the next time we find ourselves in one of life's storms. And that is quite simply that we're never out of his sight, which means he's never forgotten us. And that we're never out of his reach, which means he hasn't abandoned us. And thirdly, we're never out of his care, which means he never, he never stops loving us. We need to always remember those points when we sail into those storms in our lives. And that would be the shortest version of what is normally a 20-minute sermon you'll ever hear from me. But unfortunately, you're not done yet today because we haven't got to today's sermon. Truth of the matter is, this past week, as I um, looked at this passage for the umpteenth time, I looked at it with a little bit different vision. I looked at it this past week from a topical perspective. And as I did so, I was drawn to the words that are found in verses 49 and 50 for the first time in a little bit different way. Because I looked at them and it says, when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out, for they saw him and were terrified. 
Then it goes on to say, but immediately, Mark's favorite word, he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. I paused and drilled down into verse 49 this year. In the words it says, they thought he was a ghost. Well, when me and my brother were little boys, we thought that a ghost lived in the cellar of my grandmother's parents' old Victorian home. You see, our older cousins has told us that there was a ghost in that cellar, and naturally, since they were older, we believed them. We thought that was why they warned us to never go in that cellar. We thought that was why the door was always closed and locked. It never occurred to us as children that our folks just didn't want us to go down in that damp, musty cellar and get dirty or get hurt or get locked in since Granny was absolutely entrenched on making sure that door was locked all the time. But I can still hear today her voice saying, whatever you do, don't open that door and go down there in that cellar. And I remember that. When I got older, I learned that there was no such thing, though, as ghost. After all, there's no real scientific evidence that supports that. They're only products of our imaginations. They only exist in scary movies and stories. And I can't remember when or how it happened, but somewhere on the dark, stormy sea of my life, my understanding and experience of ghosts changed. I no longer believed a ghost lived in the cellar of that old house, but I did come to realize that that ghost was only living within me. And today, I still believe ghosts exist. But today, I'm fully convinced that they're more real than I originally thought. And the fact is, as I thought about that, I began to think, you know something, I'm still haunted by some ghost in my life. And before you think we're getting off in the weeds today, let me explain. Some ghosts are those things done and left undone in our lives, aren't they? Some are guilt, disappointments, and regrets. Some are ghosts of self-criticism, second-guessing. Those things haunt me sometimes still in the night saying, you could have or you should have. Ever hear anything like that? Mm-hmm. Some are ghosts of worry and anxiety that sometimes keep me up at night as I try not to imagine the worst and wonder, what if? Mm. Or those ghosts of grief and sorrow that rattle the chains of my past losses. Or those ghosts of self-reflection, growth and change that keep me doing the same old things, expecting different results that never occur. Or those ghosts that sometimes whisper me, Greg, and call my name and say, you know what, you've only got five loaves and two fish, and that'll never be enough, and neither will you. Ever heard words like that in your life? And what about this pandemic? This new Delta variant, the economy, civil unrest, racism, gun violence, immigration, taxation. They're all ghosts. They're all fears that sometimes frighten me. Those are only a few of my ghosts. It's not all about me up here today. Maybe you recognize some of those ghosts, though, in your life as well. Probably do, don't we? This past week, I pondered on what haunted Jesus' disciples 
so much they cried out in fear it's a ghost. And at times I wonder what haunts you. What are the ghosts and fears in your life today that haunt you? What are the ghosts and fears that you might see haunting our nation? What are the ghosts and fears you don't want to face and deal with in life? Many of my ghosts still live on, and they live on the other side of that door that I'm sometimes afraid to open. Those are also the doors of my life and my future, and they're the doors of your life and your future. But I'd rather keep those doors closed at times than face and deal with some of those fears. And I think it's safe to say today that that's true of all of us. I think it was true also for the disciples. I think it was true as well for many of you. And I think that's true for our nation, to be quite honest. We don't want to face and deal with our ghosts and our fears in our lives. We don't want to face and deal with ourselves, to be quite honest with you, many times. You see, each ghost is an aspect of our own selves, a part of our lives. They're in the wounded, broken, and impoverished parts of our lives. They're the part of our lives that we reject, we deny, and we ignore. They're the parts of our lives that we don't like, that we like to keep hidden away. They're the parts that we've deemed unacceptable or unworthy. Yet every ghost, you listen and say amen. Amen. Every ghost in our lives offers a possibility of healing, wholeness, and new life. They shriek, cry, and haunt us, wanting to be recognized, wanting to be dealt with. But our deep-seated fear, our deep-seated fear often keeps those doors closed and locked like that cellar door was. Those fears keep us looking to Jesus to be our divine ghostbuster rather than seeing Him as the divine presence revealed in our ghost, in our fears. Last week as I studied the other three gospel records of this story, I was drawn back to Matthew's gospel record of this event. It's probably the one that most people remember. We remember what happened. Peter was in the boat, and he said to the ghost, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And as I thought about those words this week, I could remember preaching sermons on how bold Peter's faith was. Of course, it was bold until he stepped out on the water and saw the water and the waves around him, and he sank like a rock. But as I thought about this week from a different perspective, was it really Peter's bold faith? Or was Peter, like many of us, avoiding his ghost, avoiding his fears? And we all remember what happened next. He, he sank. But what if Peter, what if Peter had just faced and dealt with his ghost and his fears rather than demanding proof from Jesus? And what if we did that? Have you ever found yourself seeking proof from Jesus or for God before you acted? I ask because as I reflected on my life this week, it seems I was often avoiding my own ghost when I needed proof in my life on something. Or if I needed a guarantee before I could open a door on something. I think we all do. 
And if we need proof, my friends, then that really isn't faith, is it? No, it's not. In fact, it sounds like something someone else said to Jesus in Matthew's Gospel in the fourth chapter when he said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Friends, every ghost, every fear holds before us the possibility of faith or doubt. And the truth is, we all at times are going to teeter on faith and doubt like a pendulum. One of my very favorite verses from Mark's Gospel is found in the ninth chapter. It's when a weeping father comes to Jesus because his son is dying, struggling. And he cries out and says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I think we've all probably been there and can relate to that, can't we? It's never just one or the other, is it? You see, every ghost we deal with allows us to step out in faith, and every ghost we refuse to deal with in our lives sinks us deeper into doubt. And I think that's why Jesus said to Peter, Oh, ye of little faith, why do you doubt? For years I heard that as a criticism of Peter, of myself, and anyone else who is ever struggling and doubting. But as I've got older and studied this passage and many others many years, I see this passage a little different in that one as well. I heard something different. I don't think Jesus was criticizing Peter for not having more faith or better faith or a stronger walking on the water kind of faith. In fact, I don't even think walking on water, whether it's Jesus or Peter or you or me, is even the main point or the miracle in this text, in this well-known story. The miracle, I think, in this text, the good news, the hope for every one of us here today is that we are never out of Jesus' sight, never out of His reach, never out of His care. Friends, Jesus comes to us and can see us in our times of need. And sometimes, sometimes Jesus might come to us disguised as a ghost. The ghost the disciples saw and the Jesus they couldn't see that night are two sides of the same thing. The Holy Ghost, a faith-building, life-giving ghost. The same ghost that frightened them also carried God's divine presence. The ghosts they feared and were convinced would take their life also carried the power to give them new, redeemed, abundant life. There's always more to the ghost and fears of our lives than we can see or believe, folks. It's similar to the point that David, in fact, made in his sermon and his message last week. The disciples' fate could only see five loaves and two fish. They couldn't see enough in that bread to feed the thousands, yet it was right there before them. There were two sides of the same thing. One and the same, you might say. In the last verse of our text today in, in Mark's Gospel, verse 52, it makes that point. It circles us back to that same story. It says they were utterly astounded when Jesus revealed who He was. And they didn't understand about the loaves. They still didn't get it. They were still struggling. Jesus' question to Peter about his wavering faith wasn't a criticism. It wasn't an accusation or a judgment. And it never is for us either when we 
doubt from time to time in the storms. Friends, we cannot manufacture more faith within ourselves, gain it or retain it, by simply demanding that Jesus prove himself to us. But what we can do, what we can do in the storm, in our fears, with our ghost, is to face and deal with them. Deal with our ghosts, deal with our fears. We can face and deal with our past, our guilts, our regrets, our sorrows, our losses, our hurts, our anxieties and worries. Folks, that stretches our faith and develops courage, and that brings about hope. Friends, that's what opens up the door of liberation to new life and abundant life. That's what Jesus' question to Peter and to each of us is all about. Why do you turn away instead of facing and dealing with your ghost? Why do you keep those doors of your life and your future closed and locked? Why do you assume? Why do we assume that Jesus is more outside of our circumstances than in them? He's right there. Right there in the middle of them. Every single time. Dear friends, let me leave you today with a challenge. What would it look like or what would it mean for you today to face and deal with some of those ghosts and fears that still haunt you, that still paralyze you, that still keep you behind closed doors? What would that be asking of you today? And better yet, what could it offer you today? What doors do you need to kick open in weak faith to grow your faith? I don't want you to just think about that and answer those questions later today when the Lord brings them back to you. Because if you ask about them, He will. I don't want you to just think about them. I want you to act on them. I want you to name and claim the ghost, the fear that still haunts you today. The ghost or fear that disturbs your sleep, that hijacks your peace in your life. That's the door I'm asking you and challenging you to walk through today. And you can do it. I've done it. You can do it. All of us can do it. Just open it and walk through it with Jesus. That's the secret. When you do, it'll finally free you. It'll free you to move forward in your faith, which helps equip you for the next storm that is building on the horizon in your life right now. Once again, in all the face on I can assure you, you're either in a storm, you just came out of one, or you're just ready to go into one all the time. Equip yourselves. Step out in faith today and face some of the fears in your life that will equip you for the next one. And above all things, I want you to remember the points that we started with. Never forget, my friends, always remember, you are never out of Jesus' sight, you are never out of His reach, and you are never out of His care. Remember that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.